you open your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, we will conclude our test drive series today with the encouragement to give faithfulness an extra mile. On your way out, I hope you will enjoy the in-house car show we have for you out those double doors and through the back. Uh, there is one vehicle out there that does not belong. Some of my staff work together with someone in my family to get my truck keys and to move that truck to the car show area. There's only one vehicle out there where the hood is popped. I guess you can guess which one that is. But uh, we're, we're uh, man, I was glad when they told me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Man, we can laugh together, worship together, uh, be obedient together. And I love coming to church. I say that a lot, but I love coming to church. I love what God has put together. We have uh, not just that for you today on your way out, but before you actually make your way there in the gathering space, which is right over there, if your next step in our church is to begin to serve, if you've been coming to church for a long time, you are following the Lord Jesus, it's time for you to, to do something, and you don't even know what that something is yet. Uh, all of our ministries that need volunteers have just a booth set up in the gathering space. And so would you take just a moment to walk through there? Uh, nobody's going to try to sign up your name and blood today, but uh, it gives you an opportunity just to see where our need is here. And so um, Katie White at the end of our services is going to tell you a little bit more about what's out there and what's available, but we would love for you to stop by and to plug into the church by serving the church. That's available to you today as well. What we've been looking at in First Peter are, are the blessings that come with salvation, the desirables that come with what God has given to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. But not just the desirables, it's also the responsibilities. And, and that's where our give faithfulness an extra mile comes from, is that there's responsibility that comes with salvation. The first we looked at gracious salvation, and the responsibility that followed was the new standard given to believers. The second week, we looked at the heavenly reward and then the reverence that comes with that reward. The third week, we looked at a cleansing, the forgiveness and the clean that we experience when we are in Christ Jesus. But the responsibility for us there is to love one another. And out of that context, today will come yet another responsibility, and that is the desire for development. But that desire for development is preceded by, again, another desirable that comes with salvation, and it's new life. I love the way that the, the Bible says that, new life. You get to start over clean slate with the forgiveness of God covering you for your sins. New life. So let's talk about what new life is. Let's read together from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. The scripture says, For you have been born again. Born again meaning born from above by the Spirit of God, born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. New life. What is new life? New life is a physical birth that is beautiful but it is temporary. 
That's what we mean when we speak of the physical life, when we see a, a new baby being born. That is new life before us. And physically, when that happens, it is a beautiful thing, but it is a temporary thing. It's temporary because the two natures that brought it together are temporary. And those two natures and all of them before them are temporary because they are corrupted by sin. Now, listen, the first part of this message is going to be doctrine heavy. And that's okay because we need to know what we believe. We need to be discipled. We need to understand what it means that we are saved, how to be saved, and how we got there. But a physical new life leads to death because the two natures that brought that life together are corrupted by sin. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, sin came into the world through Adam and death came into the world through sin. Now, that's physical birth. And while that is temporary, a spiritual birth is glorious and eternal. A spiritual birth that you may need this morning is glorious, glorifying to God, and it is eternal. It will not end. It will continue on forever because it is born from the Spirit of God. The elements that bring together a new spiritual life are the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It's the eternal Word of God that brings about spiritual life where we are born again or born from above. And the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 23b, it comes from the eternal living Word of God. God's Word, the revelation of Almighty God, the embodiment of Jesus. It is a product of God's Spirit, and because it is, it is uncorrupted. It will live and remain forever, and that which is born out of the Word of God will remain forever because the Word of God is eternal. So the Spirit of God, put this together now, take notes if you need to. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to draw sinners to the truth and produce life for the souls of men, life that is new, life that never dies. And as we said before, the two natures that brought together the physical person are corrupted by sin and therefore temporary. But the two contributions to the spiritual birth, and y'all know what I mean by spiritual birth. If you've experienced it, there was a time in your life when you were dead in sin. The Spirit of God convicted you of that sin. You heard the good news. You believed, and something happens, and now you know God saved you and made you whole. That is the spiritual life that takes place. That new life never dies because the two contributors to that new life are God's Spirit and God's Word. And together, those produce spiritual, eternal life. Now, that's what new life is. This is how it works. As God's Spirit works together with the Word of God to preach and teach and deliver the message of Christ... People are drawn from the inside, drawn away from themselves and to their need for God. This is what God's Holy Spirit does. According to John chapter 16, verse 8, God's Spirit works to convict the world of their sin, to convict the world of the righteousness of God, and to convict the world of the coming judgment. So it makes sense in our heart and mind when we hear the Word of God here preaching and teaching over His Word in our heart, the Spirit of God is already doing the work to convict us of our sin. Some of us have not even made it to the Bible yet because we know what sin we've brought in here. 
And the feeling that we feel inside because of that is because we violated God's standard and the Spirit of God will let us know it. That's conviction of sin. That is part of the work of God's Spirit. Another part of the work of God's Spirit is to convict us that while we are sinners, God is holy. He is the righteous God, the almighty God, and we are accountable to him. But also a part of that conviction of God's Spirit is the coming judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. God's Word is the description of this conviction. As we said, the Spirit and the Word work together. God's Word is the written down conviction. It explains what you're feeling. It is the description of God's righteousness. It is the description of judgment as it is the revelation of God. So this is why we're told in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, which is the good news about Jesus Christ. That's how faith and righteousness is born in our life as the Spirit of God works together with the Word of God to produce eternal life. Therefore, saving faith and new life, one way or another, comes through the draw of the Holy Spirit to the truth of God's Word, the truth about Jesus and the truth about you. I can still remember when I got saved, amen? I can take you to the very spot where I went from a, I went from a church member sitting in the back as an 11-year-old kid to a church member because of my faith in Jesus Christ, and he flipped me upside down. I can take you to the spot of that little country Methodist church about 10 minutes west of here where a preacher just like me was up standing and preaching the gospel and talking about these things. And I knew in my heart, I went away that night with a conviction of the righteousness of God, the coming judgment, and the truth of my sin. That's where I left it. Went home, spoke to my parents. My parents told me the good news. Faith comes by hearing, not just it'll be okay and we're all going to make it to heaven. That's not where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing the good news about the message of Jesus. There is no good news outside of him. And so that night I had heard the gospel and I turned from my sin and turned to God just like it says in the scripture. With a simple but genuine faith, I got on my knees beside my bed and called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to save me. And it probably wasn't in any eloquent words. As an 11-year-old kid, it was probably, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need you. Would you please forgive me and come into my life and save me? Don't get caught up in the words. When you talk to God, you talk to God the best way you know how. And so that night, I remember God's Spirit convicting me. I remember the truth of His Word that came together to tell me what is right and what is wrong and what is real. You know what I don't remember? I do not know the name of the preacher. I can only see his face. And that is a reminder to me, you just get up there and talk. Because the glory belongs to God. The glory belongs to the Lord God Almighty who does the saving work. I'm going to take all of y'all and use that towards my glory. So just be a part of it. And I remember that that night. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was told the good news that Jesus had died. And so I considered I, I was considered when I believed good before God because by faith I had heard it and by faith I had believed it. That realization was a direct result. Now listen to this. That realization was a direct result of hearing God's word preached. And what was said and what was being said from that preacher's mouth was connecting directly with my heart because he was not reading a novel to me. He was not reading statistics to me. He was not reading a magazine to me. He was reading and preaching the revelation of Almighty God to me. 
So God's Spirit worked together with God's Word, and a new beginning happened that evening. Now, your new beginning may not be the same as mine, but it's the same. Are you hearing me? Your new beginning may not look exactly like mine, and maybe it looks more dramatic than mine, but it's the same nonetheless, because God's Spirit works together with God's Word to produce new life. Now, it's still happening, you know. If you've been a believer since you were 11, if you have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to save you, if you are a Christian, it's still happening. God's Spirit is working together with God's Word to continue that new life in you. He's still working on us with God's Word, away from the old desires. Listen to this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It speaks to our new position. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. Now, did you notice the Bible says, makes you holy? That is the present tense of sanctification. It does not stop just when you call on the Lord. God's Spirit is just getting started on you. Just getting started to make you holy, present tense, through your belief. Christian, God's Spirit made you new when you believed and makes you new as you believe. Let me say that one more time. Good place to take down a note. God's Spirit made you new when you believed and makes you new as you believe. This happens when God's Word, just like today, has heard, sung, preached, taught, shared, or shown. That's what happens. Our mission team to Zambia, last week they took the, the audio version, the, the, the video elements of a resource called the Jesus Film to a remote part of Africa it, it broadcast the gospel of Luke, and villagers there in that part of Africa were able to hear the word of God and see the story in motion picture. There's a, uh, pictures on the screen here. If you look at these, these pictures are uh, of them putting together the projector screen. These resources like this come through a give-to-go missions offering. And then on the next one, you can see the word of God, the, the verses before them as people are seeing this, some of them for the first time. Some of them are seeing and experience God's conviction along with God's word for the very first time. Now, what you're going to see next as you look on the screen, Brother Eric, our, our former missions pastor here, went and led that Zambia team, and he sent back this picture. This is when He sent this to myself, Brother Dusty, and Brother Bradley. We got it, and all three of us were like, that's cool. What are we looking at, dude? Like, we were like, straw hut? Like, what's happening? We're going to need a little more context. If you notice, right in the middle, there's a little black rectangle. Can you see it? That little black rectangle is called a proclaimer. That is an audio element of the scripture. It is an audio Bible, to put it plainly. And it was, it was sitting there, and they will play that, the gospel, and the word of God from that audio element, from that audio Bible, and it will be broadcast. Now, do y'all want to hear the next cool part about that? We took 30 of those through the Zambia team, to the mission field, this one is not from that mission team. It's from our last one. Come on. It's from our last one. It's from the 2019 mission team that your missions pastor John Thaxton was a part of, that Eric, I also believe Eric was on that one as well. I'm looking over here for John. He's serving in the children's ministry today, praise God. 
But that's the one that they took, and it was sitting out on the hut because now there were believers there, and those believers had formed groups, and the groups were ministered to by our missionary partners ever since then. This is why I don't, I'm not shy at all to tell you about our Give to Go missions offering. Not shy at all to tell you about it. This is, this is your offering and action. This is why we circle the first Sunday in October because it is on there and why we forgive and why we promote giving. This is why we form partnerships. This is why we put together trips. This is why we encourage you to go. This is why we are involved in scripture translation. This is why we send people because church made up of Christians. It is our great responsible, great commission responsibility to take God's word and to deliver it where they don't have it. It is our great commission responsibility to be a part of whether we pray or whether we give or whether we go to deliver that same word that got to our heart. I'm so glad that the Bible was preached that night when I was 11. I'm so glad that I have it readily available everywhere. I've got it on my phone. I'm so glad. Don't we want others to have the same? In your heart and in your life when you're broken down and you open up the Bible and God's word speaks to you fresh and you and it flips you upside down and gives you a word of hope. Well, what about somebody on the other side of the globe that doesn't have the same hope? Y'all want to give that to them? I know you already do. And so I'm so excited. I was so excited all week long to tell you about that because the latest word we got back from Brother Eric was that a number of men, women, and children had responded to the gospel. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. God's Spirit works together with God's Word to change lives. New life is what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says. Eternal life is the word given alongside of that. Consider that terminology Consider what, what we just said, new life, eternal life. He is using that here in 1 Peter with people who have already experienced being born again. He's teaching them what they have, that they've been born from above by God's Spirit. This is not what Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Born from God by the Spirit. And he supports this new life wording by quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. Look there in your scripture. It's in verses 24 and 25. You don't have to turn to Isaiah because Peter's quoting it. Because that man knew the Bible. We're going to get to that. Let me just hold up for just a second. Did the music got me stirred up this morning, man? I'm ready to... All right. Let's read together verse 24 and 25. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field, and the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, as we've shown you a, a picture just a second ago, I want you to look at the picture that's on the screen. Look at the picture on the screen. There we go. Look at the picture on the screen. Thank you, guys. Can you see the imagery of the physical life? This is truly imagery of physical life from left to right. It's beautiful, but it's temporary. And over time, it fades. It's appealing, but it's short-lived. 
This is the passing nature of everything relative to humanity. Boy, that's uplifting, isn't it? But it's the truth. It's an illustration, a reminder of how each of us will fade as time goes on. This is why we need to ask the Lord to teach us to number our days, to teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom and to realize that sometimes we are investing way too much in a life that is fading away. Scripture says, once again, it's appointed unto man once to die. I ask you the question, even as we move on to the next point, a more hopeful point, how are you doing eternal things during the week? How are you taking what God has given you and using it for the glory of God, strategically for the glory of God and the good of man? What of eternal worth and value are you doing during the week between Sunday and Sunday? And I don't mean the part that where you are coming in to be filled up because that's a, necess- a necessary part of the spiritual life and we'll talk to that. But what about between those days, between Sunday and Sunday, are you doing with your life to pour into others strategically and intentionally the word of God so that the spirit of God can move amongst the people? We need to consider those things because that's why we're here. We're here for the glory of God and for the good of man. Now, to understand the whole truth of today's passage and today's message, what I want you to do now is I want you to look at this same picture. I want you to look at it in reverse order. Not left to right. I want you to look at it from right to left. The first flower on the right represents our spiritual life when we are born. We have inherited a sin nature, the Bible teaches all the way from Adam. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 51, born a sinner. That's what it says. This means that we are not what we should be. We are by nature separate from God in our sin. Romans chapter 5 teaches this. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. We are a fading flower. We are a weakening blade of grass. But the good news of Jesus that is found in Scripture is that we are able to receive the draw of the Holy Spirit and why we are able to look now at pictures like this when we get saved from right to left instead of left to right. If you look at it from left to right, you're going to be hopeless. If you look at it from right to left, you live with great expectation. Now, you didn't get that because of the way that you live and how good we are and we go to church and we give to the go, give to go missions offering. We do all those things. That doesn't happen right to left. The only way we go from death to life is to be born of something eternal. And when the Spirit of God worked together with the Word of God to draw you away from your sin and towards the righteousness of God by the truth that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for you, you go from right to left. You go from death to life forever life. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Listen to this part. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death because of this one man, Jesus Christ. The death through this one man, Jesus Christ. 
Life and triumph. Live and triumph. This is, this is life that wins. How many of us feel like we're winning? How many of us in our life right now feel, actually feel like, or can look back to evidence that we are winning? New life is life that is not held down by bad decisions. New life is life that is not determined by consequence. New life is not that which is characterized by separation of God. New life given by God is eternal life, and it wins in this life. Christian, if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you still look up to your personal scoreboard and you're getting whipped, something's wrong. Something's wrong. For we are not just freed from the penalty of sin. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome it. So let's experience more victory. The church needs more W's and less L's. And a lot of times the L's come to us and it's a result of us. We don't know the Bible. We don't know what's expected of us through the Scripture. We don't know the power within us that is the Spirit of God. We've not yet yielded to the thing that God says to give up. And so we made a decision years ago, but we look at the scoreboard and it just don't say that we're living in triumph. It says we're getting beat. Know who you are. Amen? To make it plain for us, when we turn from ourselves and turn to God by deciding with devotion to believe and live in Jesus, we move from death to new life. And that new life starts the moment you call upon his name. The moment you call upon his name, I don't feel like it. It's, it don't matter about your feelings. It's a fact. It's a biblical fact. Again, not just a new position, but a fact of God's spiritual power in your life to give you the life of purpose. You know what's happened every time I've fallen now? Every time I've fallen down in my spiritual journey, God's spirit has convicted me of my sin and encouraged me by the word of God because I ain't dead. I have new life. If you get to a place where you yourself think conclusively, I just need to start over. And I don't even ask for a show of hands because I already know. How many of us have ever thought that? And maybe some of us are, that's why you're here today. You're thinking, I need to start over. I need to begin again. I've made such a mess of my life. I want you first of all to know that if you're here today and you're thinking that, you're in great company. Church, say amen to that. Because that's where we all are. We're all broken people who are in need of the reviving power of God. But if you think today I've made such a mess of my life, I need new life, it begins with God. It begins with God. It begins with simple, serious faith that God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. It is a faith that God is eternal and what you bring to the table ends real quick. Seriously, if you're feeling this in your heart today, if it's making sense between your heart and mine, this is, let me just be this encouraging to you. Yield to it. Yield to it. Turn it over to the Lord. Trust that he will forgive you. He will give you a new day and the power to go forward like you've never done before. That's not some self-help stuff. That's some Bible stuff. Amen? Now, we've made it to the responsibility this is the new life is the blessing that comes with salvation. But every blessing we've seen in Scripture through 1 Peter comes with a responsibility. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Done, right? Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and all unkind speech. Now, this is when the Bible starts to give sin a name. Not just sin in general, but the sin that we deal with. And the Bible says to get rid of all of it. And keep in mind... As you are forgiven and when you move forward, you do not deal with this any longer on your own. 
For God's spirit and God's word and God's church are the resources to bring you away from where it used to be. But notice, as we've asked in the last couple of weeks, when you read the scripture, what does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about man? The third question you should ask is, is there a command to obey? Look there again. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Put it aside. Get rid of it. It is a command. And the God, wor- God works through his word. A lot of times it's not an exhaustive list, but it is a list. And those who turn from themselves and turn to Jesus, they form a new people group. It is a new culture, one where there's love between brothers and sisters, and there's a certainty to their new makeup. And to achieve deep love for the brothers and sisters like we've seen in First Peter, we have to put down that old life. What does he say specifically? Be done with deceit. Deceit is a fishing term. It means to bait the hook. Now think about that, what deceit is and what it means. It means to bait the hook. You are putting something out there that says, this is awesome, take it. But behind it is something that hurts. I don't know how many of you watch this, but uh, the show King of Queens. We, we often watch the show King of Queens. I feel really weird about sometimes saying those things because some of y'all are like, yeah, we watch it. And I feel like a few of y'all may be like, you don't need to watch that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but we watch the King of Queens. And, and on this episode, Carrie buys a cake, who's the wife. She buys a, a cake for a church homemade bake sale. Well, she bought hers because she didn't want to do it in the first place, and she thought it would be easy, and then turns out it wasn't. So she buys one, and there's a conflict in the marriage because Doug says, you can't bring a bought cake to a church bake sale. And her reply to that is, says who? And he goes, uh, the Bible like that. <laughs> See, you laughed. You'd like the show for most of it, probably. He says, uh, the Bible. And when I heard that, I was like, Doug's right. <laughs> Carrie, you're wrong. Why? It's deception. It's deceiving. It's the baiting of a hook. And when you bait it, it's with the intention for it to look good, but behind it can be very dangerous. Luring someone in to believe that you are, everything about you is good and everything going on with you is good, all that is a presentation, but behind all the scenes of that is the end result is harmful. Deception within relationships. Remember, this is spoken in the context of loving one another. Secondly, and it's like it is hypocrisy. The term hypocrisy actually originated on the stage It is a term that is relative to actors speaking behind masks. People never saw the real person. When you're looking at a stage production and they have a mask on, you don't see the real identity. You see the person that is hidden behind the mask. That is hypocrisy. It was just for show. Another way to think of hypocrisy is this, to make an appearance. Now, how many of us have ever made an appearance not wanting to be there but we just needed to show up. Oh, okay, there's 10 of us, right? (laughs) How many of us have ever said something like, I know we need to go, we just need to go, right? I need to be seen. Boy, how highly we think of ourselves. I need to be seen. Most of the time, nobody cares. I need to be seen. And, And what this is, truly, this is the reinforcement or the illustration of hypocrisy. You're there, but you don't want to be. That's a double life. 
There's an inward motive that's different from the outward presentation. And listen to this. Deceit and hypocrisy are kin to each other. There's a double life that lures those who care about into place, and there's a feeling with those that we make them feel safe with us. We, we give them the vibe that they can take confidence in us, but when the truth comes to light, we hurt them because we're not living a side of life going in one direction. And that's why Peter, who just told the church to love each other with sincere affection, says you got to get rid of that or you won't be able to. So this speaks to you today. If, if there's conviction about deceit and hypocrisy and how it will affect others around you, you think, I, I do feel that. What do I do? What you don't do is leave here going, I ain't coming back there because the Spirit of God wore me out. You keep coming back to hear the Word of God so He can continue to wear you out with the discipline because He cares for you and you put those things down and pick up the truth. Scripture says to put it down, be done with it, deal with it, pick up the truth, pick up right living, be done with it, put it aside. How often do you do that? As often as you need it. And then it goes on to say jealousy or envy. This is, think about jealousy, this is good stuff here. Think about jealousy or envy. This is discontentment, it is resentment because of what another person has. Whether it be physical or whether it be material or whether it be spiritual or whether they have something in a relationship that you don't have, there's jealousy, there's envy. Again, these are the characteristics that will kill relationships, that will kill genuine affection. In your household, it'll kill genuine affection in the church. How does jealousy or envy hurt relationships when that's just what I'm feeling? Well, jealousy and envy will kill you and you're part of a relationship, so therefore it will kill the relationship. Listen to what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Jealousy and envy are like cancer in your bones. It kills the relationship because it's killing you. Put it down. Put it down. Let it go. As we say practically, deal with it or drop it. You've got to let it go. Unkind speech is another one. This is the last one. It says, be done with these things as you're trying to love each other in the church. Be done with all deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and unkind speech. Unkind speech is a defamation of one's character. The scripture that you're reading, it may say backbiting. And it refers to talking maliciously about someone who is not present. And again, none of us do that. Conviction is better as a shared experience, right? Backbiting and talking about folks. Truthfully, can I just say this? Truthfully, some of us are waiting for someone to slip up in thought, word, and deed so we can talk about it. So we can talk about it. We want to tell you what they've done because what they've done, knowing that they've done it, will make me feel better. Or we don't have anything else to do. And so we talk about it. And so we speak in generalities on social media and we speak in generalities knowing that we didn't say their name specifically, but everybody that read it knows exactly who we were talking about. We get in the comment section, Lord have mercy. We get in the comment section of different things, start talking about things under the name of somebody else. What are we doing? Now, nobody in here does that, do we? It's speech that is defamation of character. Or every day, some of us, I really believe this, every day we can look back to a day where we are fulfilled by talking about others. It's part of what our group does. Slander, unkind speech, 
What does that do? It kills relationships. How does it kill relationship? If everybody knows that you do that, guess what? They don't want to be in your group. You know why? Because you're doing the same thing to them. It has to be done. It's got to be that way. It kills relationships. So what do you do? I'm just going to get off social media. Maybe. Put it down. You put down the talking. You put it down. You stop it. You catch yourself. You guard your mouth. You seek the word. You listen to the draw of the Holy Spirit. And those things of deceit and hypocrisy and unkind speech, you shut it down so that we can love appropriately because the church exists for the glory of God. Put on love. Put off evil. Last thing. Y'all, we're running late. Just hold on. It's Sunday, and this is why we came. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, this is the last point. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Cry out for the nourishment. Finally, Peter is making this simple comparison of new life in Christ to life as a baby. Just as an infant needs physical nourishment from the source of physical life, the Christian, and especially the new Christian, the new Christian and the Christian needs spiritual nourishment from the source of spiritual life. The Word of God brings spiritual life. The Word sustains and develops new life. But the command of the Scripture is, did you see it? The command is, you've got to crave it. You crave it. Cry out for this nourishment. You must crave spiritual milk. See, a newborn, a newborn will go from regularly being to asleep and content to a conniption fit. Y'all know what a conniption fit is? I don't even know what it is. I just heard it said all my life. They will go from just sleeping to absolute chaos. Something is wrong. I need to eat. Because they have this physical desire for what supplies their need. And it's their desire for sustenance that leads to their health and to their growth. But as a newborn baby, while they have that desire, they cannot feed themselves because they don't know how. And the desire is there, but the mother leads the baby to the source. So get this. When you are born again by the Spirit of God, you have a desire for more of God, likely why a lot of us are here today. We have a desire for more of God because why? Because you've tasted and you've seen that he is good. And the desire is the motivation toward a life of purpose. It's that motivation towards a life of better decisions, both of which glorify God and work for the good of man. But as a new Christian, when you have that desire, and even not even a new Christian, but maybe you're just a Christian that's never learned. When you are a Christian, while you have that desire, like a newborn baby, you can't feed yourself because you don't know how. Now, what I'm not saying is that you shouldn't even read your Bible because you can't understand it. Crazy talk. God's Spirit draws you to the truth. What I am saying is God has gifted the church with pastors, teachers, leaders, and mature Christians who have learned themselves and who have the responsibility and gifting now to take you along. Until you're able to feed yourself regularly, someone has to help you. This is why we talk about groups. This is why we talk about discipleship. This is why we're talking about gather, group, and move. This is why we put those things out there. And the scripture is a command. You must be willing to grow into the spiritual health and in the relationship with God. Listen to this quote. It is sad when Christians have no appetite for God's word, but must be fed religious entertainment instead. 
God has not called me to entertain you. God has not called your group leaders to entertain you. God has not called your student leaders to entertain them. And thank God Almighty, my student leader when I was in church started teaching us the Bible in my high school years. It came right when I needed it because I remember, and I remember him teaching us the fundamentals of the Word of God. We had a good time doing it, and there's part of it, but we learned what we believed before we left. Your children's workers, the children's ministry, is it, should it be fun? Absolutely, it should be fun. A good leader should make it engaging, and a good leader wants people to enjoy it while they're there. Nobody wants you to sit here in misery while I talk. Some of you don't say amen to that. You're ready to go. <laughs> Nobody wants you to sit here in misery, and a good leader will make it to where it is engaging. But that's not my purpose. I'm not up here to put on a show for anybody. That won't do anybody good. The Spirit of God works together with the Word of God to produce new life that is born and sustained. Some of us are not functioning with as much spiritual life as we should because we're starving. Because the only time we eat is Sunday morning. Don't pick up our Bible between the seven days. Don't have anybody engaging with the Word with us. All the resources of the church, we're distant from them. Some of us are starving to death. And if you're a new Christian, you can't check the last time that you've heard the word seven days ago. You won't grow that way. You'll be disconnected from the church like that. Just teaching you the truth. This happened this morning. This morning, I'm getting ready to go to church. Davis comes, knocks on the door of the bathroom. says, Daddy. When he says, Daddy, I already know what the message is from my son before he says it. Serious business. He says, hey, Daddy. I said, yep, I know what he's going to say. And it happened. He said, Vanderbilt beat Hawaii 62 to 10. <laughs> so I, before, I could have said it word for word out of his mouth. I knew he was going to say it. As soon as I heard that knock, he's going to tell me about Vanderbilt blowing Hawaii out. They beat him 62 to 10. Now, how in the world would I know that that's going to be the message from him? Because we're in a relationship and we talk a lot. We listen to each other a lot. We're around each other a lot. That relationship is not starving to death. We feed off each other's words. God has given you a Bible not to throw in the back of the truck or not to throw in the back seat. And the next time you get it is when you come to church. It's not to leave it somewhere and forget where you left it. God's word is there as a living, eternal guide the guardrails, the riverbanks of our life so that we will stay in between them and go the direction that he is leading us to go and fulfill the purposes that he's got for us. But sometimes we get to this place where we're like, yeah, that's where I need to be, and we don't know why we are. It's because you're starving. It's because you're starving. God has not called us just to make converts. He's called us to go and make what? Disciples. Those who follow and learn the teaching and leading. Notice the New Living Translation says, so you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Scripture teaches here that the end result is not just to be a convert. It's not even to be just a church member. While we value membership, we are commanded not to go and make church members. We are commanded to go and make disciples, to be full-grown Christians, mature in our decision-making, mature in communication, mature in mission and purpose. The word of the Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. The blessing that comes with salvation is new life. Do you need new life?
Seriously, listen to me before we go. Is your heart and your mind, you feel like God is just pulling on your heartstrings that you need to make a decision with devotion to follow Jesus for the first time in your life? If that's the case, let's talk about it. We have decision counselors. We have pastors here. Those resources in place to help you understand it. Come and ask questions. Come and say briefly, I need to be saved. Come and talk about it. Or maybe this is the time to use the response time to consider what our responsibility is. To cry out. To put down sin. Maybe we need to come to the altar. Nothing that says you have to come to the altar. Something special about getting on your knees before God, depending upon Him and confessing what He already knows. Come to the altar. Maybe for the first time in your life. Maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe it's to respond, read the words that are on the screen of the psalm. Maybe it's, it's time to think about what our responsibility is to serve and to grow and to learn God's Word. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that does not let us go. Lord, wherever we are, I pray that we would give faithfulness an extra mile. We certainly don't want to go backward and then we want to sit here like a parked car. So by the power of your spirit, by the truth of your word, may we be better today and tomorrow than before. And God, when we get there, that we would give you the credit and the glory for you've done it. Lord, lead us through this time. If there are people that need to be saved, people that need to come back to the church, if people that need to take next steps of faithfulness, Lord, whatever it is that you're working up in our heart, I pray, oh God, that you lead us through it and see us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you.